in chapter 1 and chapter 2 of 1 John, uh, God is uh, the example to us of light, right? We're talking about how God is light in chapter 1 and chapter 2, and John is encouraging us. And then uh, we looked last, on Wednesday in chapter 2 at the end, uh, we talked about the Antichrist, right? And the spirit of the Antichrist, we talked about the spirit of the Holy Spirit, right? And then we talked about those who are of the spirit of the antichrist and and they're of the world right the world they they don't believe in the son of god they don't believe in the deity of god right and who jesus says he is and we also looked at the works of the holy spirit in the lives of the believers and and uh, truly that was encouraging to me um, as well so now we find ourselves in chapter three let's go ahead and read uh, chapter three by the way chapter three and chapter four it's all about love. By the way, 1 John, that's the theme, right, of 1 John is love. And so today we're going to be talking about God's love. Love is mentioned 46 times in the New Testament. In fact, in chapter 3 and chapter 4, love is mentioned 30 times uh, alone. So it's, it's pretty, uh, it's, it's, it's all over the place right here. So let's read chapter 3. Verse 1, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. And therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know him. And beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. And whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you, do, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin, and whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him." So um, this topic of God's love, this God's love is huge, right? We could go on and on and on talking about the love of God, and you know, there's so much to talk about the, about the love of God. I remember uh, when I was a kid and, and just desiring that love. At a young age, I was, you know, I wasn't getting it, you know? I, I had a father who denied who, you know, that I was his, and, you know, I grew up in the streets, and, and uh, I was looking for that love, you know? I came to a point where I just, I had a knife to my wrist, and I said, I'm done, right? I, because I desired love. I wanted love. And that was the night that I, I gave my life to the Lord because I recognized, Lord, your love, right? First John chapter 4 says that God is love. And, and, and his love, truly, it transformed my life. It changed my life. And now when I, w- I would get in the Word of God, it's just alive, right? It's, it's, in, it's before you. And it's almost like he says, come here, right? It gives you a big hug. And love's a good, everybody loves love, right? I love love, right? And, and uh, you know, I remember I, the first time I met my wife, too. I, I remember uh, the University of Arizona. Uh, I'm teaching, and, and then here's this girl that comes in, right? I recognized who she was. And, and uh, I didn't think too much of it, but until I realized she's, you know, she's hanging out with my group, right? And, and, uh, and she's like, hey, let's go give the gospel. And I'm like, wow who is this girl, <laughs> right? She's like, guys, let's pray. And it's like, what in the world? And, and she'd come up, and she'd be like, hey, let's go do a Bible study. And I'm like, I love you. <laughs> oh, man. 
And it's, it's a beautiful thing, and I'm sure we all have our own stories of when we met our, our you know, your spouse and, and whatnot, but love's a good thing. Let's, let's look at, uh, we, we, we're going to see eight things today about God's love. And number one, God's love, it's different. It's foreign. It's, 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 uh, it's like, it's just different, right? It's, it's different. Look at verse one. It says, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. That word behold means to wake up, to perceive, to look carefully, to notice, to discern, to discover is what that word means. And so uh, wake up. Hey, behold, what manner. By the way, that word manner literally means of what country. So uh, John is saying, I don't even know what country he's from. You guys remember in John chapter, or I'm sorry, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 26, when Jesus, you know, there's the storm, you know, raging, and the disciples think they're going to die, and Jesus gets up, and he says, peace, be still, and, and, and everything just calms down, right? And then they all, the disciples look at him, and they're like, what manner of man is this? You know, that, and they're, they're astonished that even the wind and the waves would obey him. And so literally that what they're saying is, what planet is he from, right? Like, wow, who is this guy? And, and they were astonished. And, and so it's the same word here for God's love. Um, in English, we only have one word for love. Can you guys guess what that is? love right if if your your spouse says i like i love you and you say i like you you're in trouble right <laughs> then we only have one word for love in fact in the greek there is uh well four uh different words for love uh there's the phileo love that's the brotherly love right and then the eros that's the physical sexual type of love and the storge speaks of a, a family type of lo- of love it's almost like a you know, a father has for his son type of love. And then there's the agape type love. And this is the love that is spoken of here. Um, it speaks of that selfless, sacrificial, spiritual type of love. And when we say I love you, you know, to our spouse, and then we say I also love this coffee, <laughs> I don't think you mean the same thing, right? Or at least I hope you don't mean the same thing, right? But it, we mean it totally different. We don't, we don't love, you know, this, this podium the same way I love, you know, my children, my wife, or, you know, or you guys, you know? It's a different type of love, but we only have one word for love. And so our, our love most of the time, it's, it's conditional, if you admit it, right? If you do this, then I will love you, or then I'll do that, right? And we, we, we have this conditional love, but God has a love that is unconditional, and he loves us in spite of us, right? In spite of who we are and what we've done and who we will become, right? He, he loves us, because, well, he is love, and that's just, that's naturally who he is. Even if we mess up and make mistakes and do things on our own, he still loves us, because that's his nature, and that's what astonishes me. I'm like, okay, Lord, I know you can love me when I'm over here, but Lord, when I'm down here, and I'm, I'm walking away from you, you, why do you still love me? <laughs> I can't take this, you know, and it's a killer. It really is. His, 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 uh, his love for us, it's just who he is. It's not based on what we do in our performance. Uh, in fact, in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us 
in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In John chapter 15, verse 13, it says, greater, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And that's what makes God's love so different, so unique in, in the love that he has for you and I. Behold what manner of love, right, John says. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul says in verse 19, he says, To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Guys, we can't even comprehend this love, right? I, I just go for it because that's what the word says and I'm, I'm all about it, right? But honestly, truly, we will never truly know completely to the fullness, to the 100% of this type of love. Because the Bible says, we're, we're guys forever, we're going to be astonished at this love. We will continually be students of this love. We'll always, in a billion years from now, still be like, whoa. <laughs> because we're going to be in awe of God. We'll never quite completely, we're his creation, right? He's the creator. And, and that's what makes it exciting, right? This, this relationship that we have with him, because it continues on. It continues to grow. It continues to go further and, and forward, you know, in our walks with him. So I'm, I'm encouraged. I, I love, love the Lord. Um, let's come to our second uh, thing here. God's love comes from the Father. His love comes from the Father. Notice in verse 1, again, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. So there's no other source of this kind of love. You'll never find this type of love in anything or in anyone. Uh, this love can only be found by looking to the Father. And you can't get it in possessions. You can't get it in people. You can't get it by reading a book. You can't get it by going to a conference. You can't get it. You guys get the point, right? You can't get it in any other source, in any other way. Um, James chapter 1 verse 17 James says, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So when we receive this type of love from the Father uh, as the only resource of this love, right, then and only then will we begin uh, to love others with the same type of love that the Father has given to us. Because let's be honest, guys, there's some people out there that are they're stinkers, right? <laughs> They're pretty hard to love, and it's like, oh, how do I love this person, right? And, and you know, the only way we can love them is by first receiving the love that God gave to us. You see, we, we don't love God because he, you know, be, well, he doesn't love us because we love him. We love him because he first loved us. And so it's, oh, I love it. We could just keep going on. I'm just Oh, I just got so much stuff, though. Let's come to the third thing here is God's love is given to us. It's given to us. And recognize, it's a simple point. Uh, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. That word bestowed, right, where it says bestowed on us, means to give, to give freely, right? So it speaks of getting something that you do not deserve. And God has given to you this love freely. 
And you did not deserve this love. You didn't have to work for this love. You didn't have to strive for it. You don't have to earn it, right? There's nothing that you and I can do to obtain it. It says right here, it's given to us. It's bestowed upon us, right? Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, he says, How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? It's at, a, it's at a cost, yes. It, it came at a cost, and that cost was his life, right? That you and I have salvation, that you and I can be in him, but this love was not on us. It was on him, right? What cost him for us to be in fellowship with him was everything, right? It was his life that he laid down, and he died for you and I. Uh, in fact, turn to First John chapter 4, about a page or not to your right. First um, John chapter 4, and I'm so glad that he gave us this love, not because of us, but in spite of us. Look at First John chapter 4, look at verse 10. It says, and this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Understand, he doesn't love us because we love him, right? He loves, he's, that's simply who he is. And he just, guys, can I tell you guys this? God loves you. Did you guys know that? He loves you. He loves you so much. And, and he was willing to, to lay down his life for us, right? John 3.16 talks about how we have eternal life. And so, praise the Lord for that. Amen? Amen. Let's look at the fourth thing here. God's love enables us to be called children of God. Enables us to be called children of God. Question, how can we be called children of God? Well, it's because of his love. Notice in verse 1, in the middle there, it says, Well, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Look at verse 2. It says, Beloved, now we are children of God. See, we are born of God now. We're no, we're no longer children of disobedience. We're no longer under the sway of the wicked one, right? But we are children of God. Why? Because, well, we're Americans, right? Amen? No, because we go to church, right? That's why. Because your dad was in church as a pastor, maybe, or none of that stuff, right? It's because of his love. Guys, you don't work to become children of God. You are, when you became born of God, uh, again, in John chapter 3, right? Jesus is teaching Nicodemus, you, you must be born again, Nicodemus. He doesn't even answer his question, right? And, and uh, he just straightforward. You want salvation? Here it is. You got to be born of the Spirit, right? Of the Holy Spirit. You gotta, you gotta die to yourself, really, right? And receive Him. He has to come alive in you. Um, but you're, you're born of the family of God, and it's through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, right? It's the only access that we have to the Father. In fact, you and I have free access as children of God to enter into the throne room of God. Isn't that cool? The grace, by grace, right, we've been given this access. My children, right, I could be doing anything, and they just run in. They don't even care. Like, hey, Dad, blah, 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 blah. And I, I'll stop everything, right, and I listen to them and because I love them, right? They're priority above whatever else I'm doing, whatever it may be. So, uh, and I love that. John chapter 1, verse 12, 
John says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. In Romans chapter 8, verse 16, it says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You see, the Holy Spirit will confirm to you that you are a follower of God, right? And, and, and he'll do that in many ways. And I love it that we are children of God. There's something about children, by the way, where, you know, to know, how do I say it? Well, there's joy in having children, right? I remember the first moment that I saw my daughter's eyes, right, when she popped out and I looked at her, and it just brought tears to my eyes. I was like, whoa, I couldn't even, I was falling apart, right? And it's just that love that a father has with, you know, your child. You love your children. And your children, they bring you so much joy. They really do. To see that smile for the first time that they have, or to hear that first laugh, you know, or maybe the first words that they start to say, or the first walk, it's like, oh, I just love that. <laughs> and there's joys, and there's sorrows too, right? As they, as they grow up and they make decisions in life and they choose not to follow the Lord, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, like a burden to your heart. It, it burns your heart because you're broken for them. Because, man, well, how could you? You know, like, yeah, I give you, I've given you the word of God and, and here you go. What are you doing? And, and it's a, it really is. It's a sorrow because they don't follow the Lord. There's a sorrow in losing a child, right? Those of you who has, have lost a child, it, it, uh, it breaks you. And I could imagine the, the, the love of God, right, that he has for us. Guys, this love, it's infinitely greater than the love we have for our children. It's infinite greater than, than anything we can imagine. But look at the little taste of love that we see and experience that God allows us to experience in our lives, right? This little love, man, does that, it, it pulls and tugs your heart, doesn't it? It just, it just, it's like it rings you out, and that love is, but we desire that love. Guess why? Because we were created by love to love him back, and it's through his grace that we can do anything, right? And, and we truly, we're pleasing in his sight, and I, I just, I still can't imagine it, right? I, but my, my, my kids, I look at them, and I'm like, man, Guys, I love you so much. And then when they do wrong stuff, it's like, oh, I still love you. Get over here, you little stinker. You know, <laughs> I still love them, you know, and it's the same thing. When we mess up, guys, it's not the end of the world. You, the Holy Spirit would, he's going to be upon you and, and, and help you to give that hand it back over to the Lord, whatever sin that may have been that separated you from the love of God. And, and he brings you back. He loves you so much. In fact, he rejoices and dances and sings over you. Isn't that cool? I mean, the love of God is beyond, I just, I'm astonished at the love of God. Um, but we have inherited the promises of God, like any child, right? We've inherited it. All the promises of him are yes and amen. And so let's go on to the fifth thing here. I got to slow down, by the way. We're, we're already at number five. We only got eight things to go through today. Wow. Okay. God's love causes the world to not know us. He causes, this love causes the world not to know us. No, notice it says in verse 1, at the end of verse 1, therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. 
When the love of God enters our heart, guys, we're, we're set apart from the world. We're different from the world, right? And they don't know us since they don't know him. That's the idea. In fact, turn with me to 1 John chapter 15. 1 John chapter 15. I remember going to, um, what was it, my eighth grade in sixth grade, I got kicked out of schools all the time. I'd get in fights all the time, and the teachers, I was in the principal's office more than I was in my regular class, right? Just so you guys understand. So I was tossed around at different school after school, but by the time I came back to high school, that's where all these other schools came to this one high school, and they, we, you know, we met each other again, and but I remember them seeing me at that point, seeing the, the transformation that the Lord did, and they literally would be like, Josh, who are you? You're different, man. Like, wow, what happened? And I was like, Jesus happened. Yeah. Hey, Bible study at 11 at lunch. Come check it out. You know, and just it's, it's the love of Christ. And they, they are astonished. They don't know us anymore. But I believe those of us who are changed uh, can be examples, by the way, to our friends, to our relatives. By the way, Christmas time's coming up, right? You're spending a whole lot of money that we don't have on people that we probably don't even like. <laughs> Just joking. We, we love you guys. But, but it's, you know, but what an opportunity. And think about it. If you've given your life to the Lord this year, and this is your first time meeting up with your family, you're going to be in a shock, right? And your flesh is probably going to, you know, what's wrong with you? You know, because they're going to be like, you're, you know, ew, look at you. And, and, and you're going to realize the reality of being a Christian, right? As a new believer in Christ, it's going to be a, a, a culture shock, if you will, because you're, you're an alien to this world. You're, you're not of this world anymore. And they see that. They sense that. You don't have to say anything. You'd be quiet and be like, hey, how's it going? And they're like, ugh. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is wrong with you? And so you got to hold, hold on and just realize and expect it, right? Understand that they're at war, not at you, but they're at war with the Holy Spirit in you. And they sense the Holy Spirit on you. And so there's, there's war. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus said, Hey, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. See, it's his love that moves us. It's his loving kindness that led us to repentance, right? To let us to, to salvation. And as we minister to them, they're going to they're gonna understand. They're going to hear the gospel. And that's the idea. We're not called to get people saved, right? It might be a shocker to hear that. We're not called to get people saved. We're called to just give the gospel. Be obedient to the Lord. Go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel, right? And, and, and if they give their lives to the Lord, praise the Lord. Disciple them now. Start going through the word of God with them. Just read the Bible. You don't have to be a scholar, right? Just say, okay, let's read this chapter, and let's read this chapter, and let's just, you know, somewhat, we need that, right? They, they're, they're, it's like they're babies. They need that, um, that, that milk, if you will, of the word of God. So they are not only going to not know you, but they're going to... It gets worse. You guys ready for this? Merry Christmas, by the way. They're going to hate you. They're going to hate you. You know why? The John 15, look at verse 18. It says, praise the Lord. Amen. Just Bless you. 
John chapter 15, verse 18, it says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. So don't get offended, right? Don't be too astonished. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Very interesting. Are you guys ready for this? Are you ready for it? If you're, if you're a new believer, get ready, because it's coming, right, if it hasn't already. Uh, back to 1 John chapter 3. Um, let's go to the sixth thing here. God's love will make us like him. His love will make us like him. Notice verse 2 of 1 John chapter 3. It says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You see, when Jesus is revealed, and this speaks of the rapture of the church, by the way. In fact, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Amen? Amen. When I, when I go over this at a, like an assistant living place, there. They got their wheelchairs, and they're clacking their clackers, and they're, they're excited about this. You guys are like, you guys want to try that again? Are you guys excited? Is that, are, we, are we ready to get out of here or what? Amen. We have a home prepared for us, and it is, it's ready for us, right? I believe we're at the last hour. We're at the last um, time in, in the history of mankind, and the Lord's about to do some wondrous stuff, you know, so people get ready, right? Amen? Get ready. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51, it says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. And Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 concerning our new bodies, he says in verse 20, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. This new body... Uh, that Christ has is like the body that we will have. And I can't wait for this this time. By the way, rumor has it, it might happen today. Get ready. Get ready. All right, let's come to the seventh thing here. And uh, we might have to read a couple of Proverbs too, by the way, just to buy time. But let's see. So God's love should move us to purity. It should move us to purity. Notice in verse 3, uh, it says, And everyone who has this hope, that's the rapture of the church, right? In him purifies himself, just as he is pure. This word pure, by the way, is where we get the word holy, right? Meaning set apart. We're set apart. We're holy. We're pure. And since Jesus' return is close, 
Guys, we, we, we know this, right? We know it's, it's close, and we sh- it should move us. It should motivate us um, to holiness in our lives, right? And, and we no longer do the things that we used to do. No, we no longer say the things we used to say. We no longer go to the places we used to go to. We, there should be a transformation in our lives, right? Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It's through the word of God. The more you're in the word of God, God the more you're growing in the word, the more he's going to transform the way you think, the way you dress, the way you talk. He's going to transform everything about you. Literally, the way you walk. I used to walk like this. Sup, man? Sup? I had that thing, you know? And I was like, I had to practice, like, how do I walk straight? How do people do this? And the Lord helped me to do that. Seriously, I'm not joking. It was like a, a task. And, uh, but I knew it was just weird little conviction the Lord gave me for walking. I mean, who would have thought? But anyways, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, it says, But as he who called you is holy... You also be holy in all your conduct. You see, I understand that we're not perfect, right? And, but because of the love of God as believers, we're constantly growing. We're constantly maturing in him, right? In our walks with the Lord. And by the way, don't confuse this with sanctification and salvation uh, spoken of in Romans, what, 6, 7, and 8. That's salvation. That's sanctification. But that's the work of the cross, right? Because of what Jesus did. He said to tell us that it's finished, it's done, right? That's salvation. That's in his hands. He's got you, right? You, you're, you're, you got it made, right? The moment you gave your life to the Lord, Boom. Praise the Lord for that. But now we abide in him as children, right? We follow him. And in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. So we're growing in our walk with Christ. And hopefully you and I are aware of the sin that you and I are continually, you know, uh, we're just bringing it to the Lord continually, right? Every day. And as we put our hope and our faith in Christ, it really, it should move us to purity, right? We should be motivated by his holiness. The more you look to his word, you should desire to be like him, right? And as he was pure, it should convict you of the areas that you are falling short in. Guys, we're all falling short, right? This is a hospital for sinners. We come together because we want to be restored by the word of God, and it's the word of God that leads us and guides us and brings us to a place that we never thought and ever imagined that God would ever bring us to. But, you know, what is... uh, Jeremiah 33, verse 3, God says, call unto me, and I'll show you great and unsearchable things uh, you can't even imagine. It's my little translation of it, right? You can't even fathom, but just call out to him, and he'll do wonders before you. Let's end with this last point here. God's love shows us the reality of sin. It shows us the reality of sin. Notice in verse 4, sin is real, by the way. Um, and, and all of us have issues with sin. And if you don't, by the way, I would like to touch you because hopefully that could rub off on me right? <laughs> if you're perfect. Um, we're not perfect. None of us are perfect. We all fall short, short of the glory of God. But when we look at God's love, it can help, but it, it reveals the sin that's within our hearts, right? The more we look to the Lord. So 
Let's look at verses 4 through 6. By the way, John's dealing with four issues right here as it pertains to the reality of sin. Notice the first reality here is the definition of sin. You guys want to know the definition? What does the Bible say of sin? Well, here it is. In verse 4, if you guys want a clear meaning of sin, it says, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. Sin is transgressing the law. It's breaking the law. It's going against God's law. Lawlessness, that word uh, is meaning opposition to the legal requirement that God has set for you and I, right? That moral obligation, if you will. And so question, who created the law? God created the law, right? He created it. So since sin is breaking God's law, sin is against God. All sin is against God. Understand, all sin is against God. In case you guys didn't catch that. Um, in fact, David understood that, uh, that sin is against God. That was the third time. You guys like that? All sin, because there's people that say, oh, I could do this. That's not sin. No, all sin. Oh, that's just a little. Nope, it's against God, right? It's not going to, it's not for him. All sin declares war on God. And so the moment you enter into that sin, you're declaring war on God. And so David understood that he's the, the, the king of Israel, right? And, and yet he says in Psalm 51 verse 4, against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. He's speaking of Uriah and Bathsheba and what happened there in, in his death. And uh, now when someone does sin against God, it, it affects our lives, right? And that type of sin we need to deal with. And uh, Matthew chapter 18 verses uh 15 to 18, it's very clear about that. By the way, Joseph understood that all sin was against God. You guys remember Potiphar's wife was coming against uh, or to Joseph. She wanted to sleep with Joseph. She's grabbing him and he says, he says, how then can I do this great wickedness against uh, and sin against God? He didn't say sin against Potiphar or anybody else, but sin against God. And so understand, all sin is against God. And when people's sin affects our lives, what happens to us? We get angry, don't we? We take it personally because, well, they sinned. No, they didn't sin against you. All sin is against who? That's right. And, but what happens is we try to take control, don't we? And we try to say, well, you sin against me. And then because of that, we, we revenge or anger and outburst of wrath and all of that fleshly stuff. But, well, not us, right? Other, other churches do that. It's, it's other people. But, but when we do understand that other sins are against God, guys, it, it's, it's not against us. This should... It should grieve you and I, right? It should break you and I because they're breaking our Father's heart. They're coming against our Father, our God, our, our, the Lord, right? That we serve, that we live for. They're coming against him. They're mocking him, right? And, and, and now we can pray for that person, right? And now we can come and, and, and receive 
forgiveness and give forgiveness, right? Because we recognize the love of God and the love of God that he has for them. Even when they're sinning against him, we recognize that's when Christ died for them, right? And so it should break us. And that would begin the, that healing process that needs to, to happen, right? That restoration that only God can do. Um, let's come to the second thing here. It's deliverance from sin. Deliverance from sin. Notice in verse 5, it says, you, And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. Jesus is the spotless uh, Lamb of God in John chapter 1, right? There is no sin in him. And when, we, when he went to the cross, he was sinless, right? And, and that we may be forgiven. He became sin for us. And uh, he became sin for us that we might be forgiven. In John chapter 15, verse 13, it says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Romans chapter 4, verse 25, it says, who was delivered up for, uh, because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. So why did he die on the cross? Well, that our, so our sins would be forgiven, right? Your sins have been taken away. In fact, David said in uh, Psalm 103 verse 12, it says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You know how far east is from the west? It keeps going. It doesn't stop, right? North and south, okay, maybe it does, right? But south or east and west doesn't touch. And, and so there, we are forgiven, right? It's infinite. And, and Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17, it says um, that our sins are forgotten as well. Notice it says their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Amen? Amen. Based on his love for us, he will not, lo- he will not remember. Love keeps no record of wrong. Love that. Um, let's come to the third thing here is we have a declaration about sin. A declaration about sin. Notice in verse 6, it says, Whoever abides in him does not sin. This does not mean that we will never sin again, by the way, uh, but that we have been brought bought out uh, of, of the power and the bondage, if you will, of, of that habitual lifestyle of sin that that sin that you continually live in and and continually are drawn to and and the moment any little whisper says to your ear hey go do this you're not like a robot and like okay here i come i'm sinning you know it's now you're not under that bondage now you have the, the lord gives you the grace or in that power to say no i don't know i don't want to break the heart of god I don't want to do that. In fact, I make it my goal daily to follow after him, right? His holiness and his righteousness. I desire him. I desire to look into the things that please the Lord, right? And what breaks the Lord is to willingly fall short of his glory, right? As temptation. Guys, we all get hit with temptation, right? And, and, uh, you're either falling short or you're just you're just walking straight into it, right? Woohoo, here I come, right? But but those of you who are fighting, it's it, you we stumble and fall in our weak areas and 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 only he can strengthen us in our weakness. And so understand um 
Those that live in a continual lifestyle of sin, by the way, they've never seen the Lord. They've never received the love of the Holy Spirit in their lives. They've never, they don't have a personal relationship with him. There is no power. They even ask, how do I know how to stop this? It's just, I'm stuck in it, and that's that. I've been doing this since this day, and I'll do it till I die. And they have all these excuses, but the moment they have the Holy Spirit in their lives, and the moment they're born again, all of a sudden, they stop, right? And where did that come from? It wasn't because they took this class or that class. It was because, well, there was no desire. The Lord just woof, took it out of there, right? And I'm sure we have our, all of our stories. I have my own where the Lord took a lot of mine. My regular, you know, uh, lifestyle of sin, there's a lot of things that just the Lord took it out. So there is a separation between them and the Lord, right? In Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1 and two, the Bible says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor is ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you, you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. You see, as believers, the moment that we break fellowship with him is the moment we fall short of his glory, right? The moment we fall into sin. But it, 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 uh, how do I say this? If we're abiding, if we continually give it to the Lord, we're safe, right? It, it's him who keeps us in his hands. Salvation-wise, we're, we're eternally secure. Praise the Lord, right? In fact, if, if you're a follower of Christ, you're abiding in Christ Jesus. In Romans chapter 8, um, verse 35, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or pearl or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He will keep you if you are his child as you are abiding in him right John 15 that was the homework last Sunday hope you guys read that but John 15 if we're abiding in him thus he'll abide in us right and thus all the promises are there we have access into the throne room of God he desires us to have that same sacrificial love uh, that that uh, that only he can give and in fact, in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen. And, and church, I just, there, there's probably some of you guys here that don't understand a thing I said. <laughs> and maybe, maybe because you don't know the Lord. If you don't know the Lord, all of this is just like, you know, it's a, there's, a, there's the blinders there. But his, God loves you. And if you are not saved, you don't know the Lord, don't have a relationship with the Lord. Guys, you know what you got to do to have a relationship with the Lord? 
Call out to him. Call out to his name, in the name of Jesus. You ask the Lord in your life. You tell the Lord, Lord, I am sorry. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of the things that I've done. Come into my heart. Change my life. And guess what? He will renew your heart. In fact, he will not only renew it, he will restore all the things that the locusts have eaten up, right? And he will he'll bless you like crazy, right? Every day you'll be like, oh, you're drowning in that the blessings of the Lord, right? And it's, it's the best thing in the world. And so I challenge you guys, and in your heart, right, as, as we're going we're gonna to pray right now, but in your own heart, you pray to the Lord. You ask the Lord in your heart. It's not, you know, because you raised your hand and said a prayer. I've done that all my life. People have raised their hands. They prayed a prayer, but nothing happened because they thought it was within the hand raising and within the prayer. No, it's within your heart. You call out to the Lord, right? And, and you ask the Lord, come into my life, change my life, right? Repent of the ways, your sins, right? Choose not to follow the ways of the world because the world, it's going to leave you burnt out, literally. And, and, uh, but only the Lord can do a work in your heart. I pray and I encourage you guys. And also, if you do give your life to the Lord, come up. We want to encourage you. We want to give you guys a Bible. We want to pray for you. We want to, um, we want to disciple you guys in the Word of God, right? So why don't, let's just stand up and let's pray. Um, and let's give it to the Lord. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, uh, for your Word. And that is truly powerful, Lord. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to uh, the marrow of the bone, Lord. Um, but also, Lord, you, you bring that restoration, and we thank you for that, that you don't just, uh, you don't remove everything and just leave us hanging dry, Lord, but you, uh, you fill us with your spirit, Lord. You lead us and guide us, and I thank you for that, Lord. I pray for those here that don't know you, Lord, truly that they would call out to you, that today would be the day of salvation, today would be the day of rejoicing in heaven, Father, the day that uh, all of heaven just sings and rejoices, that uh, a sinner has given their life to you, Father. Salvation has been found. And so I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will be upon them even now, Lord. Protect them from the evil one and watch over them, Father. We love you. We thank you uh, for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.